And uh, that, that's what we're about here. Today. We're not about making a name for ourselves. We're about helping people. And so today, that's what, what the, the agenda is for us. So we got the phase two update going on. In phase two, what we've actually got going on at the church, we've got all the carpet and the sanctuary done. Uh, as y'all saw online, we've got the uh, seating in. Looks really, really good. And I've sat on it. I've had Brian to nap on it the other day. It's, um, it's working great. And so it feels really good. They just got, I haven't even took a picture of this. It's not quite finished yet, but they've got the stone wall back where the cross is going to go. It's absolutely beautiful. And so we're really excited about that. It's actually going to take us, a, we're, we're a couple of weeks behind schedule because of the four guys. They, they weren't able to to um, get back to us for a couple of weeks. So that's going to put us a little behind. But we're planning that, that hopefully by the end of the month we're going to be there. We're kind of shooting for a date of October. I'm hoping maybe January day will be the day that we go back in and have a celebration Sunday together. Basically a temple dedication. It's going to be a special day. But I'll be announcing that as we get closer to finishing kids' Christmas practice again next Sunday, October 16th, and then on October 30th, uh, those are 2 o'clock at Widow's Meeting. Uh, will be Tuesday, October 18th, in front of the Family Life Center here. Soup, cornbread, desserts to be served, games, devotion, prayer. All widows are invited to attend. Uh, Fall Festival, October 23rd, this is an exciting event that we have every year, and I need y'all's help today. But that, that will be from 4.30 to 7.30, and there is out front a, a chili cook-off. Um, how, how many people in here cook good chili? All right, I can't feed 300 people or two people. <laughs> Does anybody else cook chili? <laughs> Come on, All right, you cook chili, I need you to sign up, and I mean, I need you to do it today, like today. For you that don't cook chili, let me tell you what you're going to win if you win. You might start cooking chili. You ladies going to be on Pinterest and Etsy, whatever that does. Oh, look at this. So first prize, we're going to give you a $100 gift card to Ingles, and we're going to give you the Gap Hill Church Chili Challenge. This makes it worth everything. So I'm telling you, this is worth cooking for. <laughs> and we like that hot on work. So the way we're going to do it, it's going to be really fun if we get enough participants. I just need you to sign up today. It's on the uh, Sandy Hood out front. Where did you put that, Sandy? All right, on the podium. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to move it to that white table. Somebody's going to do that part. We've got that little white table on the side. We're going to put it there so you guys can see it good. There's actually also a baking um, sheet out there. We have a, a cake wall. And um, so we can give away cakes. If you do that, we'll just set them side by side this morning before uh, I close. That way you can sign up for that. But I really need this chili. If we do that, that's what we're going to feed everybody with. We've got little samples. And what's going to happen, we're going to go around and get random people to sample all the chilies. All right? It's going to be really, really fun. So they're not going to know who made the chili. There's no favoritism involved. It's going to be anonymous. And so... May the best person win, but may the best chili win. But second prize we're going to give you a $50 English gift card, running up prize. For all the rest of it, we're giving you absolutely nothing. Now <laughs> um, y'all can have chili. You need something to chili. Calibrate's baby shower Saturday, October 29th, 10 to 1 p.m. RSVP to Lauren Moore around the grave. The bulletin has the phone numbers in to do a one of those this morning. Family Day is October 30th, and Gap City Kids will be joining us for worship. Let's get right to the word. Launch out into the deep. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 9 and 10. Never really noticed this verse until I actually started reading it, and it really stood out to me. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, Wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish. Again. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live. Wherever the river goes, it shall be that fishermen will stand by from Engedi to England. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, 
And how many will it be? Exceedingly many. One day Jesus turned to his disciples, apart from the scripture, he turned to his disciples one day and he looked at them and he said the words, launch out into the deep. When you launch out, I want you to take your nets and I want you to cast your nets into the water. The scripture I read to you today is actually prophetic in nature because it gives us a prophecy of what is going to happen in the future. Ezekiel here predicts to us that the Dead Sea over there in Jerusalem, I don't know if you've ever been at the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, I, I wanted to go once upon a time. I was supposed to go once upon a time. I was telling my kids a story the other day that my mother had scheduled it when I was a teenager. I was a young preacher, and she told me that this experience would be the best thing you've ever done. She had always heard that if you go and experience the Holy Land, like Calvary and, and the place where Jesus was, was buried, and you see all these things, she was told it would absolutely bring the ministry to life because you could actually, in your mind, visually put a picture of what you were preaching about. Now, that made sense, right? And so we were going. Actually, my mother had already planned everything, the tickets. We had all that set up. And uh, mother was praying one night, and she got this uncomfortable feeling in her gut that said she shouldn't go to the Holy Land. Well, she decided she was going to ignore that. And so, come the Saturday, the boy we were supposed to leave on the Monday, guess who got the car wreck? Yours truly. No, I'm fine. I'm still here. So, y'all don't be all sympathetic. Y'all, I'm good. I'm good. Got my ear off. But other than that, I'm good. And I remember I got that wreck. It was even a free wreck. It wasn't supposed to happen. I was 30 miles per hour in the dirt road. It wasn't too, but I just lost it. It just flipped and all this kind of stuff. And I, today, to this day, I blame my mother for that wreck. I just thank God I didn't die in it. But, but after that happened, she said, son, I didn't tell you, but I was praying the other night, and I really felt uncomfortable and uneasy about this trip. And said, I was praying, and I opened up my Bible in Ezekiel where it said that you and your son were going to a foreign land, and you will not return. And I was like, I wish you would have told me that earlier. And maybe we could have avoided some of this mess. But we were supposed to go. But when you, when you go there, they say that in the Dead Sea, you can walk out into the water and you will actually float. You will float. You, you can stand there and float. You can lay on your back, bring your blood, do whatever you want. And because that's the way it is in the Dead Sea. But the one thing you don't have to worry about is a shark eating you. You don't have to worry about none of that because within that place, it's dead. As a matter of fact, they even tell us from studies that if you were to inhale the water, it could ultimately kill you because bacteria could get into your lungs. And if you just don't play, it's dead waters is what it is. Thus, it has the name. But Jesus said that when he comes back, Ezekiel prophesied that upon his return and when he begins to reign on the earth, that there is going to be a season where the dead sea is going to be healed <laughs> of its death. It gets the Dead Sea because of all the salt content that is in the water that makes it impossible. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. But yet, according to the Scripture, God said there is coming a day when the dead are going to come to life. And there is coming a day. My God, I feel like speaking to us today. There is coming a day when the fishermen that have not been able to line that shore, they are going to line that shore from in England all the way to in England. Several 
then somebody say amen to the Lord. Now, this is an interesting thing because if we fast forward some 2,000 years and today we look at us, we are those fishermen. Here we are, folks. We are the fishermen. The world, there are fish. Our job is very simple. I was watching a game last night, a college football game. It was funny because you know how to have the water boys, water girls. You have one job. One job. You know what your job is? Take them, look. In some cases, if they were right, you'll squirt one in your mouth. I watched a guy last night. The bottle got flipped upside down, and he's standing there, and water just pouring out on the turf. I looked at Jim, and I said, he's got one job. One job. And that's to protect the water. But you know, sometimes I think to myself that God, maybe He looks at us like that. And maybe God says, you know what? You've got one job. Your job is not to look pretty. Your job is not to preach a fancy sermon. Your job is to win souls. Your job as a church of Jesus Christ is to win souls. You are supposed to be fishing for me. So 2,000 years ago, here we are. And God is still saying to us, I'll make you fishermen if you will simply follow me. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to grab this morning, knocking my water off and everything. I want you to listen. I go fishing, I like bass fishing, but there's something on those boxes that I've noticed. When I first started, I had no idea what it meant. I just bought the one I thought was the prettiest color. But I figured out sooner or later they put a test line, and they tell you how much the line can handle, the resistance. So in other words, when we go out there, we can buy one that may be an 8-pound test line, maybe 16-pounders, even some that are a 100-pound test line. The reason they put the weight on the line is to let you know what size fish you're going to get. Or is anybody hearing what I'm telling you today? So the higher the number of the test line, the greater the amount of fish, or size of fish, we can say it that way, the greater capacity of fish that you are going to be able to catch. So, so if I were to put that into a different perspective, I would say it this way. The greater the test you go through, the greater the testimony you are going to have. If, if I could put it into another perspective, I would say the greater the mess that you find around your life, the greater the message you are going to be able to share with other people in your life. Thank <laughs> you. 
you in this house today, you can agree with me that you've been through some very tough tests. You've got some powerful test line attached to your life. You've been through a broken home. See, I understand what God's doing. When, when I was younger, I didn't get it. When, when I was younger, I thought that God was punishing me. But when I was younger, I thought that when I went through dramatic events or when I went through things, I thought this is God just getting back at me. I thought maybe this is God because I failed Him. But God reminded me, no, no, no. Your sins have been cast from behind my back as far as the east is from the west and those two will never touch again because the east and the west, they never collide again once they're gone. And so, no, no, no. That's not the thing. God's not trying to punish you. God's not trying to hurt you. What God has been doing is He is putting you through this test and you're just getting stronger and stronger. And that way when you run up with somebody that's really broken and when you run up with somebody that's about to say, I just can't do anything else. I'm at the end of the road. That is when God says, this is why I put you through what you went through. This is why your test run is strong. Now you do what I told you to do. You go get that fish that's hard to catch. But I've given you the anointing. I've given you the authority. I've given you the test line. You go in and pull them in the house of the Lord. Amen. This is what fishing is all about. Who in his right mind doesn't want to catch fish? Why? We've got to believe God in this hour to send some fish away. The greater the test line, the greater the fish you can have. So I'll say it this way. God didn't put you through that mess to kill you. I'm going to say it again. God did not put you through that mess to kill you. God put you through that mess so that like the Dead Sea, you can bring life in the other people that are walking in death. The things you've been questioning for years that happened to you, it may have been even in your childhood. You're wondering why I'm telling you right here. The mess, it did not kill you. And the reason it didn't is because God is turning you into a great fisherman. You don't even know it yet. God can make it Rain fish in the middle of the desert. If he wants to, God can do that. A matter of fact, I, I, can I say it this way for a minute? But when you think of a desert, a spiritual drought, we can call it that way, there's times that, that like Peter, we're not catching fish. When Jesus came to Peter and he said, Cast your net, launch out into the deep, cast your net on the other side. This is what Peter's response was. He said, Lord, I fished all night. And I didn't call a thing. Right? I'm a spiritual. I am in a drought. Anybody ever had a fisherman's drought? That's where you go out there and you fish all day. Pretty simple. And you don't catch a thing. That's the wilderness, honey. I mean, you talk about trials. That's God really putting it to you, right? I mean, we understand there's times that we go through these spiritual traps and we feel like there's no fish. We've been trying, we've been fighting, but we're in the middle of the desert. It's dry out here. There's no fish out here. I want to show you this. This is the headline. It's a true story. I researched it. I know it to be a fact. In the UK's Daily Mail, it was posted on March 2nd, 2010. Are you ready for this? Residents are stunned as hundreds of fish fall out of the sky over a remote, a remote Australian small town in the desert. Later in the article, it reported that hundreds of stained perch bombarded the 650 residents of Lajamanu. All right. Right down in 6-5. I looked at the residents the other day. It looked like our demographics were about 700 people. So I want everybody to grab that. So it's like this is happening in 6-5. Except we don't have Lake Keeley. Because this is the... A local resident who was walking home when the strange weather started said this. I quote, The fish fell out of hundreds all over the place and the locals were running around everywhere picking them up to take home for some. It seemed that suddenly there was a cloud in the sky. However, this cloud did not just rain water on them. It literally rained fish. This is the problem with the storyline. They did not have a Lake Jocassi or a Lake Kiwi. There was no coastline within 
listening to God just think that a y'all listen to this, this is great. They think that a tornado or whirlwind came over a body of water and sucked the fish up into the air. They went into the atmosphere and it froze them in the tracks. Are we all ready for this? The wind blew the cloud 500 miles inland because it was a desert region. It began to warm up and it was warm enough that the fish began to thaw out and they started falling out of the sky. There were so many fish that the people of Lajamanu collected them for God's perfect number. Seven days fish were everywhere, yes, even in the middle of the desert. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that we may be in a trap and it may not seem like fish are coming and it may not seem like anything you're doing or I do may seem different, but I came to tell somebody in the spiritual realm that God is about to send fish. Yes, even in the middle of our business. When God gets ready to send your harvest, it will not matter where you God says it's our time rain just begin, or the rain fish begin to fall in the desert. In Luke chapter 5, 4 through 9, the story I've been talking about, Jesus tells his disciples, I've got to hurry. He tells them to cast their nets into the deep water. Simon, being a professional fisherman, it's kind of like this. What he's wanting to say, have you ever had something you wanted to say but you didn't say it? Because you're just trying to be. One person really did. You've been thinking about a lot of late names, brothers. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Let me show you what the Bible tells us here. The Bible said that Jesus said, go ahead, just launch out to the deep, let your necks out, all this kind of stuff. And this is the response. Peter is thinking to himself, all right, let me put this up. I am a professional fisherman. You are a preacher. Now, you be a preacher, and I'll be a fisherman. Right? I've pastored church people before that thought that you had a pastor better than I do. I don't claim to be a professional. But I can tell you one thing, at least I've done it. Since I was 21, I'm not a professional, but at the end of the day, it's kind of what I do. And it's amazing how it's the same way on your job. I mean, if you build stuff and somebody comes in, they ain't never built nothing in their life and turn out, oh, you need to do this, that, and the other. I mean, there's something you just do. You do what you do, and I'm going to do what I do. And I think that's the way that Peter, because it's kind of offensive, to be honest with you. It's offensive when you're a professional fisherman, and I come and I ain't fishing a day in my life, and I'm going to tell you how to catch your fish. It's offensive. But see, Jesus, oh my goodness, oh God, see, this is, this shows us how powerful that Christ is. He can do anything. You do not know what you are talking about, Jesus. We fish all night. We have tried all the tricks of the trade. We have spit on the nets. We prayed over the nets. We sprayed that new garment scent that they put on the nets. We have done everything. And we still have not got anything, but he looks at them and says, if you would just go out there and drop your nets one more time. I mean, we are tired. We are irritable. We are ready to go home. We are ready to quit. But why not? As soon as their net hit the water, the fish, I feel like telling y'all this, immediately when their net hit the water, they didn't have to say, here Shake it a little bit, Peter. Come on, let's let them let them go over here. Immediately when it hit, the fish started swimming into the net. When God gets ready to do it, brother, you don't have to do anything but pull 
Delete this. I want you to grab this. This is really interesting to me. And it may not be interesting to you, but it is to me. Jesus says to them, Delete that. The problem is, he only had one net. That's all we see. One net. Now, this is interesting because you know what I think? I think that they don't have enough nets and they don't have enough nets. I believe they could have caught every fish in that sea. I really do. God gave them all he could in one net. But if they'd have had two nets, God gave them two nets fish. If they'd had three nets, come on. See, the problem is not that Jesus wasn't sending the fish. The problem was that their nets began to sink from the weight of all those fish. I get from this that what we need to stop doing, we need to stop limiting God. I'm going to say that again. I said, I think what we need to stop doing is limiting God. We need more nets, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get more ships over here. God knows how to get some fish to you if you're willing to throw the net and believe that they can be saved. There's a problem when you look at the fisherman's life. The problem is he wanted clean nets. See, if, if you were, that's Peter's problem. Is he's throwing this one net because when you study the life of a fisherman, now we fish with, with, with rods and, and reels and things like this, so it's not a big deal. We just take the hook, we clip it on, tighten it up, throw it in the boat or in the back of the truck, and we're on our way. But the nets had to be clean. To get all the debris out there. By hand, he's sitting here picking it up. He's washing it. It could take literally hours, they say, just to clean one big net. So that's why Peter, he wanted a clean net. He didn't want to have to deal with all that dirt. Oh, come on, somebody. When you start casting the net, when you go into the world, I'm going to tell somebody, this world is not a clean place. This world is filthy. This world is a resemblance of hell on earth. This world is the territory of the devil. When you throw your net out there, it is going to get dirty. Y'all ain't ready for this. Uh-uh. Y'all ain't ready. When you throw your net out there, the net is, it's work, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get messed up. You're going to catch all kinds of fish. In a church, it's amazing. But if you really throw the net, you're going to catch a couple of dogs. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If you really throw your net, you're going to get somebody that's going to come to church one day. And when you're talking to them, you're going to smell the liquor under their breath because that's all they've ever known. Come on, son. We had a guy that used to come to our church. I was a teenager. I'll never forget it. He would come and he would sit on the back pew every service. Oftentimes, it was, well, not every service, but it was on a Sunday night. I remember him vividly. And he would come and sit on the corner of that back chair. He wouldn't really disturb anybody. And you'd walk by and shake his hand. He smelled just like the filth of the world. Alcohol, so, I mean, I'm talking just the stench of a, just a diehard alcoholic. You can spot him. You can see him. You can just tell. That's all he lived for was to drink another day. I can recognize it. My father was one in my later years. I can, I can pick up on one just like that. I can see it in their eyes. I can see the temptation. I know it's there. I think in it. I know it. But that old drunk would come and he'd sit on the back pew of our church and he'd sit back there and he'd cry. He'd get up and he'd The next Sunday night, I remember he'd stand there. I can see him like this right now. God, it breaks my heart. And he would stagger in and he'd sit down on that pew. But one Sunday night, that old drunkard decided he was going to change his voice. I remember. He got up off that back pew. He came down to that altar. And it was one of the greatest miracles I ever saw. Because when he came down the aisle, he was nearly fallen. He was staggered. I saw it with my own eyes. But when he got up, You're going to catch some people that got a needle in their arm. 
you're going to find those people. Many people going through different stages. There'll be all kinds of messes out there. So when you get ready to throw your net, you better not be picky. See, the problem with church is sometimes we get this picky Christianity and we go fishing. And see, I'm the type guy, when I go fishing, I want to catch a bass. I'm not there to catch crappies. I'm not there to catch brim. When I catch them, I toss them right back in the water. What I have come for is a bass. And I think sometimes in our spiritual, we get in that mindset that people have to fit a certain mold before we can accept them in our church. Where people may not even know who we are 
And even though where we are, if you believe God can make it rain in the middle of this isolate desert, God is telling us today, understand that if you get involved in the hearts, whatever you need will come. Throw your nets. If God sends us a bunch of drunkards and drunkards, and they need more help than we can give them, God will send a therapist right in the middle of our church that says, I've got a burden, let's start one right here. God can start a rehab center right out of those offices if he wants to. Some of you are like, this preacher's like, yes, I have. I have jumped off the deep end and I don't even care. I mean, we are like, my God, I keep having all my kids. We have all kinds of stuff around here. I mean, people are going to be like, I need them. They're going to get there. I even told them what I need you. It doesn't matter. Just know it's there. I'm throwing my net out. I'm sick and tired of limiting God and what He can and what He cannot do. I am ready to throw my net and I am Absolutely nothing. 
Jesus said, launch out into the deep. It would have been very easy for a couple of them guys to say, you know what? But I appreciate it. I'm so tired. I'm out of here. Hope you catch some fish. Ha ha ha. Going about their life. But thank God those disciples didn't leave because they believe there's something in the words of this man. There is an anointing and there is an authority from the mouth of this man named Jesus. And I feel something different in the air. And something's going to happen this time. It is different than before. And I'm telling you on the authority of this word, it is not on my own authority. It is not within my own power. I am telling you on the authority of God's word that God said, launch out into the deep. And something great is about to happen at the Gap Hill Church of God. We got Get your mic. Where's Beth? She up here? Alright, y'all get ready to sing. I want you to sing this course for me. Come on, come on. Y'all get the mic. Get ready to sing. Let's, let's get ready to worship God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, can you believe it today? Can you believe it today? Can you believe it today? That's all I need to know. Can you believe it today? If you don't believe it, I want you right now. Just forget about it. Don't pull any nets. We don't need your nets. We don't need your nets. I need people that believe and stand on this word that says if I do it in faith, God is going to respond to that. If that's you, then it's time to throw your net out and you're about to bring in a dry fish. Will you? Go ahead, sing. Stop. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. Oh. 